Hi, welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him. Praise him. Uh, it's so nice to be here. It's so nice to see you all. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Censor at Theatreworks, Traps at La Mama Theatre, and Is It Just Me? Part 2. Yes, It Is Just You by Jude Pearl. Uh, very excited. We're going to have a lot of things to say, and we're going to say them all. Yeah, look out. <laughs> oh, I'm looking. <laughs> Hello, James. Hi, Jake. Oh, here we How's are. How's it going? We so are good. Here. Good. That's good. <laughs> let's maybe... only speak over each other. Let's maybe do this yes, again. Yes, let's definitely. No, no, no. Continue. Oh, no, really? Okay. How are you going? Great. So good. You're I'm... back. I'm back. You're back. I'm back. Um, I, I'm here. I've returned. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way Jake described it in the last episode made it sound like I has, have accidentally murdered someone. Yes. I'm not. <laughs> Um, no, <laughs> that's the story we're going with. <laughs> just a just a big day at work, uh, and and um, this sounds a lot more dramatic than it is. Go but on. I just had to take the night off because I was a bit stressed. Yep. That's all. That's that's the extent of of, of what you need to know. Oh, well, that's fair enough. You're raising three kids. Right. You know, it's tricky <laughs> being me. Yeah. Um, but no, everything's been resolved. We're all happy now. That's even, c- in fact, we're even happier than before. Oh wow! Thank you so much. <laughs> um. So yeah, and I'm here again, and I'm happy to see all of your lovely, beautiful faces. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes. No. Well put. That's very lovely of you. Thank to you say. very much. Yeah. No. Um. Great. So, do you want to talk talk to me about your week? What's happened? Give me, me? a star rating. Yes. Your week. My week. Your week. Okay. Um. Yeah. yeah, I, had a, yeah, yeah. I actually had a pretty good week. I have not done a lot during the week. Just had work, famously, mm-hmm. uh, which has been going well. I have seen a few shows, which you will hear about. Mm-hmm. Um. I have. Uh, Flynn has gotten us to get into the garden. I'm gonna cut you off. Um, Flynn. Yeah, Flynn. Talk yeah. me through who this stranger is. Glob. Glob. Unclear. Glorg. Uh, these Glurp. are sounds. I sort Slurp. of. I recognise these noises. Learn. I... My boyfriend. Oh my god. <laughs> Every time it's annoying. Congratulations. Every time it's annoying. <laughs> That's huge. It's, it's funny. so hard to find it's someone. Silly. All right. It's so. So many of us are out there just hinging you. and bumbling. <laughs> bumbling <laughs> and hinging. Uh, and you found a man. Grinding and bumping. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> you found a man. His name is Flynn. We love oh, him a lot. Huge. And we he has inspired my housemates and I to really tackle our garden. Yes. So we, we've started doing that. Spent a lot of yesterday in the garden planting zucchinis and flowers. Mm. Um, <laughs> planting zucchinis. Zucchinis. Someone has to. And um, I'm the one that has to do it. My mushrooms are growing. I don't know if I told you all on the podcast here, but I tried growing mushrooms. Yes, you stopped washing your feet, and now you have a little family of mushrooms down there. That's really funny, Jake. Thank That's you, very good. That's not what's happened. Oh. I bought a box of dirt with spores. <laughs> you got duped on eBay, is what happened. On eBay, yeah. <laughs> I uh, thought I was buying a rocking horse. <laughs> box of dirt rocked up. Yeah, it was good. Uh, and I like it. And I like the dirt. Yeah. And I sprayed the dirt every yeah. now and again, and it wasn't doing anything. And I was like, how the fuck am I fucking this up? You just leave it in the dark and make it moist. Quack, quack. And now the mushrooms have grown, and I've used them in a, in a recipe, and they are tasty, and mm. they are bountiful. Uh, Do they taste different to the way that the supermarket mushrooms well, taste? Well, the recipe that I used, I've only used them in the one recipe so far. The recipe that I use is like a gochujang noodle dish, so it's kind of hard to taste the... Gochujang? Ind- gochujang. It's like a spice. It's like a spice <laughs> Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go straight to Jang. Is that what you're saying? Go to Jang. Okay. Yep. Go directly right. to Jang. Go directly to Jang. Go to Jang is, I think it's a Chinese spice paste, like a chili paste. Okay. Um, yum, yum, yum. Uh, but it means that the veggies... Oh, so the recipe 
Did it? Was it one of those recipes that's on the packaging of the paste? No, it's a recipe that I found online and I've sort of made into my own. And now I make like big batches of it. You just like <laughs> you chop up like a bunch of veggies. You you cook them up. You put in noodles and gochujang and other sauces, and it becomes a nice sort of noodly dish. I have in my mind okay. the phrase. Yep. Well, not a phrase. It's a collection of words. I'm ready. Margaret Thatcher. Yep. <laughs> the gochujang batcher. <laughs> now. Now, the fact that that doesn't make sense, the fact that, why is Margaret Thatcher in your head? Oh, R.I.P. the Queen. The Queen is dead. The Queen is dead. Long live the king. Oh. Oh. Yuck. I liked it when Scar said it. God, we're going to no get political. Time. We're going to get scary. Uh, everyone hold on to your seats. Not a fan of the monarchy. What? Why? But they're so fancy. <laughs> they're so fancy. <laughs> they have so many jewels. Um, yep. Yuck. Down with the king. Boo, everyone. Mm. Um, anywho. <laughs> Do you have more to say on that issue? Not at all. You don't. I don't, I don't, that's it. Just boo. Don't like him. Uh, not happy. Not happy that the queen herself has died. I think it's sad because I don't think we should ever celebrate someone dying. But I'm happy that the symbol of what she was is gone. But you were at the front of all of those excited Osama bin Laden is dead rallies. Yeah, that you was were... me with a big, big banner at the front there. Banging like, that drum. I support America. I think. I think nationalism's good. Um, no, that was not me. That was someone else. I've been waiting for somebody to walk me through a deep dive into the precise reasons that we should be constantly loathing the monarchy outside of just kind of like anti-regalism. I, I think it's more. I think it's more like what they represent and the, the, like the ongoing idea that this imperialist, colonialist sort of family is just allowed to sort of live with all their riches and wealth and mm. tax breaks and all this shit. It's mm. like, that's just not fair. Yeah. And also give everything back. Yeah. Give all your jewels back. God. Yeah, I suppose I, I should stop waiting for a TED talk and just do my own research, I suppose. Yeah, probably. And also, <laughs> yeah. I mean, thank God for The Crown, though. The TV oh, show. thank God for The Crown, the TV show. God, I <laughs> because mean, that's good TV. Because it's something for Olivia Colman to do. It's something for Olivia Colman to do, and I will always I will always be thankful for that. So mm-hmm. that's the only reason I like the Queen. She has given way for Olivia Colman to have a terrific role. Okay. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, boo. <laughs> 70 years. It's a long time. That's so long to do anything 70 for. years as Queen, right? Yeah. 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 Long time to be the Queen. Yeah. That means she would have been, what? How old was she when the, she became the Queen? I don't 20? want to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not waste our but time talking like, about it's this. It's also so many years doing what really, to me, seems like such an easy job that is only made difficult by the like, the nonsense rules that she's in charge of. What do you mean? In the way that it's like, the only things that seem difficult about being the queen is like all of the social obligations and maintaining all of these manners and these stodgy like mm. rules and regulations. It's like, you're literally the person that could change all the things that make your life tricky. You could just decide, <laughs> I'm going to wear a smock this week. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm meeting, the queen. I'm the queen. I'm not meeting anybody. I'm having dinner on the toilet. Like, you can decide <laughs> all these First things. First of all... <laughs> Amazing for Jake Stewart to make a toilet joke. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to grow. Secondly, I think no, isn't like the whole point of the Crown, the TV series, showing that like she's trapped by the system and can't change it. Literally, who's going to stop her if she decides toilet dinner I don't is know, the new norm? All the norm. fucking losers in in England that are like, I love the Queen and the system that she upholds. Oh, it's so comforting that we have the Queen. I shut up and die. Like, God. oh my this desire God. we all have for rules and for people to be our parents is just so pathetic. It's very gross. Oh my god. Yeah, I say burn it down. Let's become become a republic and then declare war on everyone else. You say burn it down, I say Bernadette Peters. I say burn a clown. Oh! Same thing. (laughs) Um, So my week was good. I give it... 
Oh, here's a spooky thing. Ooh, go. Um, my my boyfriend Flynn, who we're not doing the joke about again. <laughs> um, he has a flower in his, his flower in his front yard that only blooms like once a year. Okay. And it it's it it it's, he didn't plant it. It's come out of nowhere. It bloomed on the day that the Queen Elizabeth died. Oh god. And it's a black <gasps> lily. Like, it's this singular black lily that just grows in his front yard every now and again, and it bloomed on the day the queen died. Oh, my God. Isn't that a bit spooky? That is spooky. A bit spooky. Yeah. Oh. I think that's a bit spookums. Has so he tried I think, feeding it blood? Well, I was about to say, I think Flynn has used some sort of dark magic to, to kill the queen. Oh. <laughs> I think it was him. Almighty death lords, I wish for my flower to stand up again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, we'll kill the queen. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> just talking right back. But like Mufasa. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm busy. What do you want? <laughs> oh, could you kill the queen? <laughs> yeah, of sure. course. Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, so I give my week. <laughs> <laughs> the little Flynn just sitting in his room, just like, oh god, what if someone finds out? <laughs> <laughs> well, Flynn, we know. Um, I give my week. We planted five zucchinis. In the in the in the in the in the backyard, yeah, it came yeah. in a box of six. Like you, you had to separate them out, and okay. one of them was a runt, so we threw it out. We composted oh. it. Oh, we like, turned it to the earth. Oh, like the babies in Three Hundred. Yes, the my, duds in the pit. Oh, oh. <laughs> what? Did you not hear? What? This is actually Sparta. <laughs> so <laughs> this is so awkward oh. for you, but <laughs> this is Sparta. <laughs> this is Sparta. <laughs> you cannot do that here. <laughs> you see the big hole? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> So this is Sparta. I give it. I actually give it five out of six stars because it was five zucchinis out of the six that worked, and we had to throw one of them out. That's so a beautiful way to honor the runt zucchini. Hey, it's dead now. Well, I mean, did yeah, it ever really dead. live? Did it ever? And it's time to talk about Roe v. Wade. Welcome to my <laughs> so how was your week? Derek? My week. Um, my week was fine. What happened? I oh, uh, I went to that story slam. <laughs> Yep, so, the most bearable <laughs> phrases you've ever said. <laughs> the story slam that my sex doctor told me to go to. This is the second yes. time going there. Um, he's been there both times. Sex doctor. I may have missed the sex doctor bit. You absolutely... You, oh, yeah, you were absent when I was had to go. That's right. <laughs> the solo episode I did that Connor frequently refers to as being the time that I went crazy was... You mean any time? <laughs> we need to talk about mongoose eating snakes. We need to have that conversation... <laughs> My sex doctor told me to go to a story slam, potentially now, just as a... when you say a... sex doctor, do you mean like like you went to get an STI check and that was the person that spoke to you? <laughs> yes. Okay, I, right. Yep. I went to get STI, and it was a whole fiasco, but as I, what I think was him just trying to calm me down, because I was pretty overwhelmed by nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he recommended I go to a story slam, because I told him that I have an interest in theatre, and was also flailing like a flathead on the ground. Yep. And he yeah, was like, you should go to a story slam. I'm going to get you up this information about a story them. He's actually British. I'm not just bad at telling stories. <laughs> and you're also bad at accents. Thank you. And he, yeah, so I've been there twice since he recommended it to avoid getting chlamydia. And both times he was there. Yeah, because most people go to Story Slammer not having sex. <laughs> wow, James. There you go. Wow. Hey, come on. Come on. What you gonna do? It's a rich, thriving culture. And uh-huh. <laughs> a very sexual people. <laughs> yeah. I'm among them. <laughs> Right. So mm-hmm. you saw your sex doctor at a story slam. I, 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 
avoid well it's because we were both wearing masks when we first met and so I don't know if he knows it's me I don't know if he knows I think I you're kind of hard to mistake for someone else Jake based on what James you wear very outrageous clothes I don't wear outrageous clothes not outrageous but you wear you know flamboyant loud clothing no I don't you make me sound like a peacock no, you're, wear, you're wearing currently like orange pants and a bright pink jumper that clash a bit like you know in the privacy of my own home this is what I've seen you wearing outside Yes. <laughs> so, so. But you make me sound like I teach people how to date on the no, internet. No, 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 no. <laughs> what it, you gotta do? It does, it does. You do look a bit like someone that would sort of lead people in a guided acid trip. Like, that, which is a good thing. I think that's a great sort of person. I am having, I'm gonna have to rethink a lot of things, the things that I'm doing. I, <laughs> which is what happens anytime someone says something to you. <laughs> so, you went oh, to no. Story Slam. <laughs> I went to a story slam. For the second time in a row. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Are you leading to an insulting question? No, no, I'm, I'm guiding you back on the path of how your week was. I went to a story slam. <laughs> I went with Haley and Chanel. Oh, cute. <laughs> yes, blonde Haley and Chanel. Yes. And... <laughs> What's funny? No, no, Chanel is the dildo queen of Melbourne and I cannot go into why. But okay, she... I, need, I get Some other time, I will go through it. Okay. But at the moment, because of the things I'm... Chanel, I'm going to hear this story and I'm very excited. <laughs> the listeners will also hear it, but it's... I can't tell you yet. Oh. Yeah, suspense. Um, what? Okay. Anyway. <laughs> sorry to clap. <laughs> um... I'm not. <laughs> um, so I went with the two of them. So th- because the first time I went by myself, and that's when I met that cowboy. This, this time, oh I, yes, okay. remember? I remember. So the then cowboy, me, yes. Chanel, and Haley went. This time, while we were going into the story slam, the woman was like, "Do you have tickets?" And I was like, "Of course we do." And then she like ticked our names off on the board thingy, like the clipboard she was holding, and she was like, "Do you want to be judges?" What? <laughs> and my brain was like, "Fuck no." <laughs> Of course not. Huh? <laughs> but then Chanel, who's never been to a story slam before. What do you before, mean you want to be judges? Great question. Okay. And Chanel's just like, yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, Chanel, boss. truly why? Also, you've never been to a story slam. Until she arrived at the venue, Chanel thought that she had to tell a story. She came in oh, ready to tell a story. Chanel, She's an inspiration. I, you're brave. That's yeah. to actually then agree to go to this event thinking that's what you're going to do. Insane. That's bold. Yes. Um... Uh, do they not have judges? No, the uh, the, the thing is, like, it, it's judged by people that are in attendance, and they have, like, three groups of judges. Ah. And so we were one of the three groups, and so it was the three of us, and then we'd have to judge out of ten each of the stories that happened. Oh, that's fun. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Where, 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 where is Story Slam? Um, it's been at Howler the last two times. Okay. It can be anywhere, but that's where it's been the last hey. two times. <laughs> Story Slam is wherever the gr- wherever the family is that wants to slam with stories. Ugh. Story Slam is in your heart. Story Slam is in your blood. <laughs> Story Slam is in your secretions. Thank you. <laughs> I do leak Story Slam. Ugh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, we went. It was good. There were some good stories. There were some other stories. But it was good. We judged. It was effective. The theme was Crossroads. Our team name was Roadkill. That <laughs> is all you need to know, I suppose. But yeah, it was a good when time. Was that? Um, where, when, what? when was that? When? Ah, uh, a few days ago. A couple days ago. I'm sorry, I, don't I think it was like Thursday. You. I think it was Thursday. Okay, thank you. I yeah, put a good time frame on things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and yeah, the woman that I wanted to win did not win, but boom. boom. Yeah, no, it was this woman. She told this really great story of like her breaking point moment of when she had to leave hospitality. Oh, that's Which, I want to hear that story. Right? Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. So that really touched right, me. Yeah, no. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that on that. Right. And like a like a large, and I won't dwell on this, but like a large through liney sort of like message of a lot of the stories was like there were a few heartbreak stories, and it was just like a lot of it was about 
people dealing with bad relationships, getting out of bad relationships, and the thing that sort of saved them or got them through it or gave them the courage to get out of these negative places was the fact of, like, the friends that would be around them whenever they needed support or, you know, to sort of, like, recover from, you know, romantic whiplash or whatever. Um, So, yeah, that was just, like, a beautiful little motif that sort of, like, sprung up. Yeah. Also, ah, (laughs) this woman... Sorry, this is the last thing I want to say about the story slam that I know we've been talking about for a day now. Just of a turkey. No. (laughs) The first woman that told her story told this story of when she went mountain climbing with her boyfriend at the time. Uh-huh. And then they got to a point in the mountain where he was like, I want to climb a higher part of this mountain, so I'm going to leave you here and you can climb the rest of this part of the mountain by yourself. They split up the food, he left her, uh, then she had to do the rest of the mountain climb alone. Break up with that man. <laughs> break up with that man. But she eventually did, but she was like, there were parts of the mountain where if she hadn't like held on to like a rusty piece of metal, she would have just plunged to her death. And she was like, it sure would be good to have a friend on this mountain. <gasps> Devastating. But then what proceeds to happen after that is like... A number of the speakers after her refer back to her being left on a mountain as what? As like punchlines for things they say. And it's like, guys, she got left she on a left mountain. mountain. <laughs> she could have died. Wow. She could have been eaten by wolves. <laughs> but it's just a, a goofy little gag. Anyway, <laughs> I hope that man's. I wish harm upon that man. <laughs> um. But yep. Yeah, so I give my week a eight point nine out of five. Because that's what we gave the woman that I wish had won the stories. That, that's a good. That's a good rating. Good on you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do you want to talk about some fatter? Some what? Some fatter. Some fatter. I love you. Thank you. Thank The Queen's dead. The Queen's dead. And when James or I want to talk about Kira Knightley's filmography, he begins at Pirates of the Caribbean, and I, I started Pride and Prejudice. I mean, this came out of nowhere, but we were talking about Kira Knightley <laughs> earlier and doing Kira Knightley impressions just before we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. And yes, my frame of reference is from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. And I am very proud and full of prejudice. <laughs> and you also do character impressions. <laughs> Jake. Oh, um, <laughs> hi. Hey, creepy. Uh, I went to, to uh, theatreworks. Not a theatreworks. I went to the the theatreworks. Yeah. In St Kilda. <laughs> oh yeah. Off to a great start. Went to theatreworks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and saw a show there. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> um, this show was called Censor. Yes. S e n s e r. Censor. Oh, not to be confused with all the other potential variations. Yeah, there are a few. Yes. yes. I could see you thought I was being sarcastic. No, I did. I'm so used to it. Um. <laughs> Yes, it's like quick defense. Yeah, See, it's my monthly sincere sentence. <laughs> Everyone note the date. Uh, yeah, so I went to see Censor. Mm. Uh, it's written by Brit. <laughs> it's just like you don't have a lisp. God, I love lisps. Oh, I wait. love lisps. By the way, doing the intro to this, I'm sorry if me saying the word trap sounds like twap. Because listening to it again, I sound like I'm saying twap. We had to record it. Re-record <laughs> it. Because you thought it was twaps. <laughs> it, was, it still sounds like I'm saying twaps. All right, so Censor at... Theatre works. Fenther at theatre works. Fenther at theatre works. We shouldn't. We shouldn't make fun of lisps. I'm not making fun of it. I love lisps. I wish I had one. Do not pause. I used to have a lisp as a child. I had to go to a speech pathologist. And that's akin to circumcision. To me, let him keep it. It's beautiful. Hmm. I wonder if now's the time I can start talking about my adult circumcision on this podcast. Are you in the mood to talk about your adult Not circumcision? Not right now, <laughs> but everyone write in if you want me to... Want me to, want me to go and have, I can do a story slam about my adult circumcision. You should! I, I think I should. Come to the next one! Yeah, I will, and I'll be like, gone. Ripped away. Yes! Removed. You're thinking These of beat poetry? That's beat poetry. What is slam storytelling as opposed to... It's literally like, so. <laughs> hey, everyone. 
I was an adult. <laughs> oh, so it's just talking to people. It's just telling a story. Okay. It's telling a five-minute no, story. No, I want to do beat poetry about my adult circumstances. But you can't do beat poetry. Why not? <laughs> There's rules and stuff. You can't do... You can't sing. You can't do poems. No, I can do beat poetry. No, it has to be a story. No, I know. I mean, I'll do... I'll go to a beat poetry event. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> With, like, a drum and everything. And a, and a beret. And everyone will snap <laughs> for me. So, censor... Everyone, like, you can't just assume they'll snap for you. <laughs> it is I who the people snap for. <laughs> Very critical drop. Listen circle. to the snapping. They snap for thee. I hope they do. <laughs> so we went to Censor at Theatreworks. Oh. My housemate Imogen and I went along. We caught the tram. It's a long tram ride. We got in. Mm. Uh, we wander on in. They say that in the front, they're like, hey guys, just make sure you fill from the front. Are you in the tram still? No, no, no okay. We're at Censor now. We're at Theatreworks. Oh, okay. I just mentioned the tram because it happened. Okay. And I, it, it, was, it meant a lot to me, that tram. It was annoying. I don't like tram rides. Okay. So we went to Centre, we were at Theatreworks. <laughs> we walked in. Yeah. The pers- person logging us all in was like, yep, just make sure that you start filling from the front. Yeah. So, like, cool, all right, doors open. Imogen and I are probably like the first people to walk into the actual space. Okay. And it's so, you walk in and it's there's these green curtains up, and then there's like these green curtains within those green curtains, almost like a little like, um,. You know, like, like, like when, when people want to do, like, a classic cabaret sort of set and it's, like, layered curtains? Okay. Like, one behind the other and then, like, the little one opens every now and again and someone pops out of that. But there's still, like, the big main curtains in front of that. Okay. And, like, this sort of old-timey microphone stand. Cool. So, and, and then at the front of all the seats, the front row of seats is blocked out. Mm-hmm. But in front of them are all these little cabaret-style tables. Okay. With, like, little chairs. Yep. And... No one had mentioned anything about these tables. Mm-hmm. No one knew if we were meant to use them. They had like little candles on them. They looked like they were part of the set. Okay. But Imogen and I were sort of like, we, do we sit? Do we sit in the chair? And then like this other stranger and I were like, are we allowed to sit here? And then we all sort of like, <laughs> like probably six of us sort of like, sort of slowly approaching these chairs and tables, wondering if we were meant to sit there. Yeah. And we all sort of <laughs> just were, slowly yeah, edging towards. And no, them. no one, no ushers, like, yeah, you sit there. There were no signs saying sit here. Yeah. There had been no mention of these cabaret tables, so we were like, um, so we all sort of slowly, like deer, like slowly <laughs> approached these chairs and started sitting down. And we sort of would chat to each other every now and again. We're like. They said to fill from the front. <laughs> this is the front. This is the front. <laughs> and no one said not to sit in these chairs. Uh-huh. So we did. Yep. And it was fine. Oh, good. So the moment you sat in one, there wasn't a big siren that went off. Like, Get out of the chair! <laughs> no. <laughs> Get off the glass! <laughs> the Princess Diaries. Oh, it's a Princess Diaries reference. <laughs> Glad you justified it. Um, no, it was fine, as it turns out. Okay. We were, it turns out we were meant to sit there. Oh, so when they said front, they meant the front. They really meant the front. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so we sat in the little chairs. Mm-hmm. Were all the tables filled? All of them, yeah. It was, it was a really full audience. Like, right. I, I sort of glanced behind me. And this... <laughs> Up there on my opulent throne, I took it upon myself to look down at the peasants. <laughs> Quite a few. Uh, all right. So, as you have, have often said, it's good to sit in the front row because you can look forward and just pretend there's nothing else in the room except yes. for you and the show. Oh, heaven. Which is what I've started doing now. So, you've, you've taught me that. Yeah, thank so you. So, I don't often look back. But I did. I looked back at the audience. Yes. You're welcome, everyone. Um, and this time, yep, yeah, almost, I'd say, full. Like It looked like it was a pretty full audience. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and there was and and it was it was a very good audience. There was no people that I need feel the need to talk about. So that's good. That's good. That's, that's a good, good crowd. Yeah. Um, so, and then we proceed to watch censor. Uh huh. Uh huh. Now, do you know anything about the show? No. Okay. So in the show, I've got to make sure I get these names right. Um, two performers, 
Louisa Scrafani and Adam Noviello. Cool. Uh, now, I've sort of seen Adam Noviello through Instagram and through online lenses, <laughs> and I've sort of... I didn't know they were going to be in the show. Yeah. But there's someone that I've followed for a long time and does, this, does a lot of incredible, beautiful... Um, performances of dance and singing and so to see them sort of suddenly pop up in the show I was like I know that face mm. and it was just it was a nice surprise sure. so it opens have you seen Logan's Run? no have you is it 1860 <laughs> 1964 what's the Orwell book I always get it wrong 1984 1984 1973 <laughs> 18 he wrote a lot of books <laughs> <laughs> and by his 1984th he really struck gold <laughs> That's a really funny joke. Oh, wow. um, yeah, so 1984. Yeah. Great, thank you. Um, just keep that in the back of your mind. So keep the Orwell books, 1984, in the back of my mind. It'll make sense. Okay. So um, the show starts, mm. and the curtains open a little bit, and out pops Adam. <laughs> Sorry, it's just funny for the curtains to open a little bit. <laughs> Continue. Taking a moment to have a sip of water. Yeah. Um, so the curtain opens a little bit, Yes. and out comes Adam. Yeah. In this beautiful, like... Cabaret, starlet, German Weimar sort of, like, uh, finger-curled blonde wig. Mm. And this gorgeous... I'm going to immediately uh, find... Who was it? Uh, Grace Deacon, who designed the set and the costumes. Mm. Um, it really nailed it with this look for Adam. It was like this beautiful Valkyrie winged headpiece. Mm-hmm. With, and it was covered in, in like the most perfect little diamantes. And it was so sparkly... And, and they were wearing this gorgeous green dress and they just came out in this gorgeous face of makeup and, and, and it just felt like, oh, if this is the entire show, I'd be happy. Like, like they then did this beautiful, like, welcoming sort of a la cabaret mm. sort of um, welcoming song um, and we just sort of, yeah, with the little candles going at our little cabaret tables and not being able to see anyone behind me, it was like, oh, we're in a cabaret. Okay. We've been transported. It was so nice. That sounds nice. Yeah, it was really, really gorgeous. And then... Oh, no. No, no, no. No, it's, um, no, no I don't, it, I'm sorry. That does sound like I'm setting it. But it just... It took a real tone shift. which Because I didn't. I went in completely blind. Didn't know anything about the show. So it mm. took a real tone shift that I was not prepared for. Yes. And the, the song ended abruptly. Mm-hmm. And then out comes... Um, out comes Louisa. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Out comes Louisa. Um, and there's this voiceover, and it's like this Orwellian. <laughs> Please get off the chairs. No <laughs> one said to We've sit had at the to table. start a show. Stop. Um, no, it was like this, like Orwellian sort of big brothery. Citizen one one o four. You have been. You are, are late to arrive for your pre-described. It was like this sort of big brother voice that then sort of boomed out and out comes um, Louisa in this white, 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 like white modern clothes and the lighting is all stark and it sort of feels, oh, where are we now? Mm. What has happened? Mm. Um, and so the show is still running. So I don't want to, I'm not going to say too much for the later parts of the show, but it, it, it proceeds to be this sort of, uh, totalitarian nightmare they're living in where people are sort of this is set in like 2040 something and people are living in this post-cataclysm world where the decision was uh, it seems to be I did find it a bit hard to follow but I think that was sort of the point it's just they're showing us this world that they're living in Mm. 
seemed to be sort of like this cataclysm happened. It was so horrible that everyone decided they didn't want to feel anymore, yeah. as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. And so they decided to get rid of everything that made people feel. And the most important piece of it was music. Yeah. So music has been banned. No one can sing to the point where no one even knows how to like say the word dancing. Like <laughs> she calls it danking, which is kind of funny. Mm. Um, oh, so it's the Von Trapp house before Maria arrives. <laughs> Your incessant need <laughs> to reduce everything to the sound of music. To elevate things okay. to be about the sound of music. Yes, it was that. Sure. It was that. If that Just, helps. you know, if that helps anyone understand. If it does, write in. Let us know. <laughs> it's a pre-Maria Von Trapp household. Pre-Maria Von Trapp household, yes. Um, music is banned. Yes. And so, it, yeah, then it turns into... Banned is also banned. Oh, well done. Thank you. Oh, that's good. That took me longer than it should have, but that's good. George, oh, well done. <laughs> Continue. Uh, do you want to no. take the reins on this one? No. Okay, so. No, he chanted from the back. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so we watched this show unfold. And it's uh, I won't get into the details of the story, but mm. it sort of like unfolds as this sort of... Um, Louisa plays this, this girl who's sort of rebelling from what the current system is and she... She can sort of see the audience and engages with the audience in this sort of can can you see me like why won't you help me like what's going on ah. yeah which is which is very which is interesting yeah uh, and then Adam plays two roles Adam plays the the cabaret queen mm. uh, but also plays and this... plays that person in the world that we go into like the apocalyptic von Trapp so, world so, yeah yeah so that Louisa plays um the the I, I guess the sort of protagonist mm. um that's trying to sort of figure out how to escape from all this and she, she sort of hears music and she can't escape it and she doesn't know what to do with it. Um, but she doesn't know how to sort of process that because everyone's been banned from... I'm sorry, Jake. What? You need to move your fingers. Why? You look... Jake's got his, like, head buried in his jumper and his two little fingers out like mandibles of a bug and I need you to put them away. They're really uncanny. What don't you like about that? Yeah. <laughs> horrible. Okay. Yuck. Um, okay, yes. thank you. Sorry, that was <laughs> horrible. I was cozy! No, it was disgusting and yeah. you're disgusting. Ah. So... <laughs> so, so, so Louise plays that role. Mm. But then Adam plays the cabaret queen and also this disenfranchised, almost sort of authority figure in the world of the sort of Orwellian hellscape they live in. Okay. Um, who, first of all, I need to get out of the way, looked so much like Vecna from Stranger Things. Like, when... To those of you who know and care, um, when... when not to... I, I'm not making a face of not caring. I do not know yeah, what that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. But to those of you playing along at home... Spoiler alert for Stranger Things. Skip if you want to not be spoiled. Um, Vecna, before, but I, I can't do anything. Vecna before he turns all spooky and is like that sort of sexy blonde person in the white from Sweeney Todd, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, um, Jonathan, no, Jamie Campbell, Jamie Bauer. Campbell Power. It is too. Mm-hmm. In the white, he looks a fair bit like Kira Knightley when he was younger. He does. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, there. I guess a nice little tie-in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> if you need to sort of visualize what this character looks like. In the white little outfit, that's who that's who, who they look like. So that's my fun little just to help people at home. Moving on. <laughs> uh, so he plays that role as well. And it's this sort of... And the story then unfolds to be like, you know, she catches him sort of doing something that he's not meant to be doing. And then they're both sort of in this journey together of like, how are we going to survive this world? And, and then it's sort of un, like we sort of listen to scraps and pieces of how the cataclysm happened and... And, and why they sort of believe so strongly that music was the cause of all their evils. Um, and, yeah, proceeds to be sort of 
I guess th- I, I I was trying to sort of I was discussing it with Flynn. I was like trying to uncover what I think the story, the the message behind the story is. Mm. And I as I th- I, th- I think the message is that music is important and it holds a really special place in our lives and it allows us to sort of process feelings and without sort of these outlets for feelings it's just going to bubble up and 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 build up inside of us which i which which yeah i think i think it's to me that's what i understood the story to be mm. and it was i i really enjoyed watching it play out and just i got it like being able to see these two performers do their thing, like there was, there were a few bits and pieces where they do like a full cabaret number together, mm-hmm. and there was a part of me that felt a bit, oh, I want to see a whole show of this. Mm-hmm. Like I want to see a whole show of these two doing an actual full blown cabaret. Sure, because that would have been amazing. Um, and it felt interesting, sort of seeing the story of not being able to sing and dance and not being able to do these things told through cabaret. It's sort of. I don't know, it felt a bit like... I did find it a bit hard to sort of feel the stakes because they were singing and dancing a bunch. Oh, okay. Sure. Which is just something that I sort of... That was just me, but I still would see the show again just to see these two performers do their thing. Sure. Um, yeah, what... Do you think you could live without music? Well, that's even interesting. I will answer your question. That's even interesting in the way that it's like it's a story about people longing for singing and, and you're saying that you... Like, almost in a way of having their performance inside of this desolate, musicless wasteland... Mm has managed to kind of, for you, and because of the the skill set of the performers, has made you have that experience of mm. longing to see more singing and dancing. Oh, that's true, yeah. You yeah, know? I hadn't put that together. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I... I that's I de- clever. Yeah. I will... Uh, before I forget, I'm sorry, this is unrelated to everything else. Yes. There was an incredible bit where Adam, as the cabaret queen in mm. this beautiful outfit and the big wings... Um, like, there was a lot of audience... Not a lot of audience participation, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of audience... Engagement. Ew. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, where, uh, like, most of it was the cabaret stars interacting with the cabaret tables. Okay, the tables themselves. The tables, well, the, the people at the tables. Oh, okay. <laughs> at which I was seated. Mm. So there was one bit where Adam came up to the table next to us. Yes. And, like, sat down on someone's lap and did a little song there and instructed Louisa how to sing and dance and sort of was teaching her how to do all that. Yeah. And as Adam got up, knocked a whole glass of red wine over on the table. Oh, and no. it just sort of spilt all over the table. And there was a little part of me that was like, there was a lot of, like, Imogen and I were like, oh my god, those poor people. But then there was also a part of me that was like, this feels like I'm in, like, a like a, like a 1920s, 30s, like, grimy little Berlin bar. And mm. this is just some queen jumping over and kicking over glasses. It felt cool. That's, that, that sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad it wasn't like me. That. I'm glad yeah. it wasn't me. Did it go on anybody? It did look like it did. Like, oh, there was no. a lot of, for, like, the next five minutes, you could just see them shuffling, like, putting things on places, moving the tablecloth. Uh, but it felt like, yeah, that's live theatre, baby. That's nice. Yeah. It almost happened again. Cool. It didn't. Adam seemed to cotton on and sort of didn't do it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really sweet. Yeah, it was, it was just a nice moment that I thought was like not necessarily great for the people who got wine spilled on them, but it was great engagement for us. If you're going to sit at an upfront cabaret table, you're going to get dirty. There's you're gonna a good get chance. Dirty. You're yeah. going to get wine spilled. Drink the wine. Just drink it. Drink more. <laughs> Everybody should drink. That's my message to take away. It's a good message. So could you live without music? Could I live... Oh my god, you know that fucking... <laughs> I feel like this, this, this fucking, like... I don't know, what's it even called? Like, one of those, like, squares of text that people share on the internet. It had a real heyday... A text post. A text... I suppose? It had a real like heyday, I feel like, in, like, the 2010s. That thing of, like, life without music cannot exist. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Um, Interesting choice of accent for that, what? Jake. <laughs> I've recently befriended a very sweet, anxious Greek man. And <laughs> so it's just really caused me to be speaking in a vaguely offensive Greek accent sometimes. I'm glad you heard it. <laughs> but Costa is a miracle, and I'm glad I know him. <laughs> I hope Costa's listening. <laughs> he has a beautiful voice. I... With, can I live without music? Assuming that there is no law impeding my capacity to experience music, I think no. I think as time proved itself, it would just become a thing that exists. What I, I guess are I, you I, saying? I guess I need more details in your question, but I'd say that to live any life, you would eventually come upon music, and it, w- it would be a helpful resource in dealing with emotion and also for entertainment. Yep, but is that the sort of question no, you're let's asking? Assume that the, this world has no music. Like this world is suddenly like music is gone. When you say this world, you mean we're living the... in this world. We're living in now, okay. and then tomorrow we wake up, and for some reason, no one can sing, no one can play an instrument. All the instruments are gone. Music's gone. No one remembers how to play, and we're not allowed to do it. We're not allowed. So something we don't know there is, is something in our bodies that prevents us from making music. Let's say that's what it is. Sure. Sure, but that all that doesn't that also mean that we can't talk? Because there's a musicality to talking. I think we're getting too bogged down in the logistics of this. It's a horrible <laughs> movie. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible movie. Yeah. Like it's a good movie, but it's a horrible movie that where everyone has this disease that slowly causes them to lose all their senses. Oh, so everybody in the world goes like blind, and then they all adjust to that, and then a few months later, everybody loses their sense of smell. Oh my god. And then everybody loses their hearing, and it slowly happens, and it slowly, slowly goes on and on. And it's like the story. What movie is this? I can't remember what it's called. I'll have to look it up for you. But like, it ends like it's this story of this couple trying to sort of navigate that world where suddenly they can't see each other, and then suddenly they can't smell each other, and then suddenly they can't feel each other, and things like that. Oh my god! Until they're all just these. I can't remember how it ends, but. Yeah, that just sort of made me feel our conversation of what if you suddenly woke up and couldn't make music? Oh, like it's—I I think it's a similar sort of. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that sounds horrifying. Doesn't that sound horrifying? That movie sounds really scary. Yeah, I don't remember. But what it's at called. least we're together in it, though. You know. But you wouldn't be able to feel, see, or you'd, you'd be. What's that? What's that lady who? Helen Keller. Helen Keller. We'd be <laughs> Helen Keller. <laughs> She lived a fine life. Helen Keller loving a fella. Almost a suspiciously fine life. <laughs> but we cannot crack that book open, <laughs> can we? <laughs> Too spicy. Too spicy to say here. God, but yeah, no. But yeah, at least we'd be together in our senses going away. But yeah, no, I think if you got to... Is the last one to go feeling? Is that the last one? I imagine the last one to go was feeling. I can't remember distinctly now. I think but, the, I think the oh. first one to go may have even been smell. I think they sort of got worse as it went on. Oh, God. Like, the first thing was smell, then was hearing. Smell Anywho. is smart to take first if you want it to be a scary experience. If you want it to be a Because then you can all see experience. the fear in each other's eyes. Oh, that's right. Smell goes first, because I think one of the people in the in the movie is, like, a a person who a works... A Is a person who works... Well, basically, a person who works in a restaurant, and then suddenly they have to rebuild the whole experience of dining out. Because you can't smell the food, and that's like half of eating. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, but no, God, sorry. No, sensor. but if you lost all your senses, that's almost like the same thing as like, you know, that thing that everyone's afraid of, and then it got flared up when gravity came out. The idea of just spinning through oh, space until you die. Oh, God, that's a horrible, <laughs> horrible, horrible thought. Because there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Well, you can take your little hat off. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> sensor. Um, <laughs> Which I guess would be true on Earth as well. You could just take you your, little, take hat your off. little hat off. <laughs> as opposed to... Which is the euphemism we all know for suicide. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry he took his hat off. <laughs> no! <laughs> okay, censor! Censor! Sorry, censor. this became triggering this all became, of a sudden. This became trigger warning, literal suicide. Um, so censor, yeah, um... No, but it was great. And I think I ran into this thing that you have spoken about of watching sci-fi on stage. Yes. And it, 
it's harder to believe when it's like trying to pretend that there's a it's a futuristic world. And I think for me, it's part of that thing of like, I could watch that show about the medieval plague. Like I could watch that because it's people going back in time. And that's me like, like I'm like, yep, you, you, you're doing simple peasant things. Like mm -hmm. I can imagine that. But this world of like, I don't know, they, they did it really well. Like Big Brother was Big Brother. Like, you know, there was a Big Brother. They were all dressed in their futuristic white. Um, and they're all, it was fully believable. But for some reason, I don't think I can allow my brain to be like, yes. This is the future on stage. Okay. Like, I almost need that to be on TV for some reason. Like, that's how my brain has sort of partitioned that. Right. Okay. Well, I, my mind would be... I guess my theory as to why that would be the case, because I very get what you're saying. I'd say with the past, we kind of seem to have this collective understanding of what the past was like and yeah. looked like, especially when it comes to just the way that things are semi, like semiotically loaded or stylized when they're put on stage. Yeah. Um, in the way that it's almost similar to the present. It's like, oh, we know what current day things seem like. We know what the past looked like because we all, we all have just kind of agreed that that's how the past that's where seemed. That's from and, and moved on from. Yeah, and we, like, we've decided that we feel like we've all kind of seen it mm. and that mm. we, we have kind of had this collective understanding of how the past looked and felt. Yeah. Whereas the future kind of like... We've experienced the future to the same extent that we as people have experienced the medieval ages. You know, we were not there. Yeah, that's a good point. But we have this grasp of it because of literature and whatnot and the, the art that we've seen. But every time someone tries, like, tries to create the future, it is inherently fantastical. And also it's inherently... It doesn't what, happen. It, it's inspired by their view of what the future should or could be. Like, it, it's... The past is dictated by events that happen. Like, we, we know what happened in the Industrial Revolution. We yeah. know the Agricultural Revolution happened. Reliably future, or not, yes. This, this yeah. person is writing a future and saying... This horrible cataclysm has happened because everyone hates music now. Mm. And that would almost have to be inspired by their relationship with music, the yeah. writer. So I think, I think yeah, maybe there's a part of it because there were bits and bots that... And it's the same whenever I see any show dictating the future. There are bits and parts where I'm like, that wouldn't fucking happen. Mm. Like, there were bits and parts of like... Like, you know, they picked up a piece of sheet music and it was wet-ass pussy. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of like, okay, first of all, why would someone print the sheet music for wet-ass pussy? For their clarinet solo. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Were you never in year nine? <laughs> I, was, I was born, I was born in year ten. Um, <laughs> that was my joke there. That was like, <laughs> Pause for laughter. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, which makes it a bit hard to engage with, with works. What was the, I just need to know the premise. The joke is that I was born as a year 10. So you, you were so like... I was never in year 9. Oh, so you, just, you plonked out in a blazer. Yep. <laughs> Great. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I did. Yep. That's the joke Go and we on. don't need to build on it. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Having said all this, it was a it was a really good show and I, I would go and see it again, I think. Mm. Just, if anything, just because the two performers, like Louisa and Adam, are so great. Right. Um, and also, like, it's a two-person show, but I saw, like, on their Instagram a photo of, like, the full production, production, production team. Yeah. And there's so many people. Like, mm. I always forget how many people go into making these sorts of shows. It's a bit of an iceberg, isn't it? It's an it? iceberg, isn't it? <laughs> um... Yeah, so like, congratulations to that team, because I really like that show. Speaking of uh, the semiotics of performance, <laughs> as we briefly did, <laughs> yes. I've started doing this thing. This is nothing to do with the wonderful show you saw. Mm. I've started doing this thing that it's just like a fun way to, like, you know when you're just not in the mood to like read or listen to music when you're on a train or something? Yep. And you're sort of sitting there. A fun thing that I've started doing um, is like, you can do it wherever you are, as long as there's more than just you there. Okay. You just pick a person. You just choose a person and then you look at them and you look at what they're wearing and then you imagine a play that they're in and you work out what their character is. Oh, that's kind of fun. It's really fun because it, it takes, like, you just pick, pick a person. It's especially fun if it's just like a person that seems just kind of like just a random civilian middle of the road kind of person. 
Unlike but, you, who is a superhero. Indeed. <laughs> but just like someone who's like dressed in like people clothes. Yep. You know? Yeah. And you but you imagine them on stage and then suddenly everything they're wearing suddenly starts pointing to different elements of it their characterization. Yeah. It all becomes a choice and all becomes representative of very particular things. And it becomes interesting the way that yeah, it's just like a fun mental exercise to be like, oh, fun. that person is wearing like athleisure and they're kind of wearing like a puffer jacket on top. And then if I put them in a play, then I can start imagining like, oh, what is this play about? Who are they in the show? If I choose that they're the protagonist, what story arc are they about to embark upon? Mm. What sort of person wrote this play? Who would stage it? Yeah, right. Like, it's just, yeah, it's a fun thing to do. That does sound fun. I might try that on my way home. I think you super should. I, I think will. you all should. Give it hey. a go. It's, yeah, it's really fun. It's a fun thing to do, especially, yeah, if you, like, yeah, forget your headphones and you have nothing to do with your brain. Oh, sure. It's a fun distraction. That's hell. Yeah. Losing your headphones is hell. Sure. Yeah. But, yeah, that's fun. Do it. Tell me how it goes. Right in. Censor. Censor. Anything else to say? We cannot just say the title of the show. And oh, then... I, do, I do have something else to say, actually. I do need to quickly shout. Shout out to mm. uh, Jess Newman, who did the compositions for it, because obviously... Jess Newman? Jess, you know Jess Newman? Oh, beautiful Jess Newman. Oh, yeah. how do you know Jess yeah. Newman? Oh, Who's we Jess used Newman? to work together. Sure, to... great. Well, yeah. the compositions in this show are great. He's such a talented composer. Yeah, nice. Oh, that's lovely. Okay, yeah, great. Well, that's fun to know. Um, yeah, because obviously they had to write... Like, there was one motif that kept occurring, which was, like, the song that... Uh, the main, I say main character, I mean the protagonist's father wrote and used to sing to her and she can't remember the words, but vaguely they remember the tune. And um, yeah, it just sort of was a bit haunting and gorgeous. Mm. And like throughout the show, there was lots of other little songs and bits and they all felt like full-blown cabaret Weimar songs. Yeah. So A plus Jess. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, cool. Censor. Indeed. Hey, James. What? <laughs> Introduce yourself. Oh, sorry. I'm My sorry. God, hi. <laughs> sorry, I mean, oh, I'm wish. James. I'm six and I'm, I love fun. Uh, so I went to... <laughs> Sorry, you told me to introduce myself. That's fine. No, I shouldn't have fallen so Jake, quickly. Jake, you introduce yourself. Into Bring It On 3. No, that's okay. Bring It On 3. I've never seen any of the Bring It On movies. All or nothing. It has Beyonce Knowles' sister in it. And Hayden Panettiere, who I resent for a number of reasons. I don't know any of these people. Anyway, I went to the theatre. <laughs> really? Yes, I went to La Mama. Um, La Mama. La Mama. I hardly know her. Oh my God. Okay. I went with Johnny. Beautiful British Johnny. Oh, beautiful British Johnny. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Beforehand, we went to Ligon. Well, you know how it's like on Ligon Street, essentially. Yes. And we got Indian food. Oh, <laughs> I got Italian food before I saw something on La Mama recently. That makes sense. That's a lot of cuisines. But I just love kicking Little Italy in the face by <laughs> eating at the only Indian restaurant. Was it yummy? <laughs> in Little Italy. It was good. We just had to eat it very quickly because it was one of those places that is like heavily... Uh, catering to the Uber Eats crowd. Ah. So despite us being there in real life, things were slowed by the Uber Eats demands. Yes. It's not the restaurant's fault, but it's an element that caused us to have to eat our lamb Kafka pretty quickly. Pretty fast. Pretty fast. I don't know if it was Kafka. Maybe I'm just thinking of Kafka. I'm rarely thinking of Kafka. I don't care about this story anymore. Tell me more about the show. (laughs) (laughs) We quickly ate our Indian food and then shuffled on over to the Are you sure it wasn't Russian? Where you were rushing around? We were Indian around. Just Indian mm. to and fro. Okay. We got to La Mama. <laughs> you got to La Mama, that's good. Me and Johnny got you there. You and Johnny got to La Mama. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, we arrived. We were standing around. They did the raffle thing. I did not win. Oh. Thank God. Oh. <laughs> Praise Dionysus, I did not win the raffle. <laughs> <laughs> we do need to start working Praise Dionysus into these things more. Praise him. <laughs> Um, I didn't win the raffle, and then they, like, someone came out, and they were, oh, so we were seeing traps. (laughs) 
<laughs> do you mean twaps? I don't mean twaps. Okay. You mean twaps. I do mean twaps. Um, I, we didn't win the raffle, and then someone came out, and then they were like, I just need three volunteers to oh, be God. stool people. <laughs> what? Indeed. It sounds fecal. It does sound fecal. <laughs> they needed three stool people. Johnny wanted to volunteer. I said, no, Johnny. Absolutely not. <laughs> Never volunteer. No. No. Did he volunteer? <laughs> no. Okay, good. <laughs> no, he was listening. <laughs> um, but yes, so it was Traps, which is written by Carol Churchill. Any relation? To Winston. Yeah. Not as far as I know. Okay. Um, do, you don't know much about Carol Churchill? Not of, no. Not known. Great. She's like a, like, a, like a feminist socialist playwright. Great. Woman. She wrote Top Girls. Oh, yeah. Australian then? She... Oh, <laughs> what is the race? Why would she be, um... For some reason in my head, I thought Top Girls was Australian. It's not, is it? No, we just do it here a lot. I'm pretty sure she's British. Um, but yeah, she did well, Top Girls. name G- like Churchill. Well, <laughs> indeed. Well, well. Um, I'm just gonna Google it. So I'm, cer- like, just so I'm not lying to everybody. Because I should know the race of Carol Churchill. Should you? It's fine that you don't. She's British. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Like Johnny, very appropriate. There we go. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Carol Churchill. Yeah. So she, yeah, she wrote traps and Top Girls. Why it's amazing to watch someone fall apart in front of you. <laughs> Befriend me, anybody. You can watch it Please. whenever you want. Um, yeah. So we did not volunteer to be stool people, and then we were. <laughs> Sorry, it sounded gross at that it's time. It still sounds gross. And I'm and still waiting to hear what that is. It was opening night at traps, and uh-huh. then after the the stool people were appointed, we then had to go inside. And the woman that was showing us in, um, it was like, okay, the show is immersive. First alarm bell. Oh, God. But then she very quickly followed it up with the most reassuring sentence in the world. <laughs> but it's not participatory. Oh, good. Oh, okay. Take yep. me away. Yes. So, of course, we were going to be like physically kind of in the space of the show, but no one would get called upon to do anything. Thank <laughs> God. Praise Dionysus. Praise, I, Di- praise pra- him. Praise him. Uh, yeah. So then we started going inside, and then, so it was like, it's La Mama, like the headquarters one, like the one that's yep. that The one. one with the two-story brick cubby house. Yes. <laughs> the one that isn't the courthouse. Yes. So we went inside, and we were told we could sit anywhere. And so what it was, was it was like the chairs were encircling the walls, uh-huh. And the playing space was the entire space, and there was like a dining room table in the middle. There was a fireplace at one end, oh. and then there was like a pot plant, and there was like a little coffee table. There were chairs. It was just kind of like, oh, we're in the space. We're in a house. It's like a little house. Yeah, like a little nice. cabin. Cute. Yeah, that's where we were. And then the play started. So we're all like sitting around, and like Johnny and I were sitting on the end opposite the fireplace, and we were sitting there next to what, like the little pot plant, and next to like the iron and the ironing board. Oh, sure, it's a house, yes. It's a house! <laughs> yeah, and of course, and behind us is where, like, you know, like, the staircase in La Mama? It was, yes. like, that went up above our heads. Just so you can all get a vivid picture of where Johnny and I were sitting. That's a really... I always forget how, like... This is a, this is a, oh, pardon me. A black mm. box space, isn't it? Like, it's very... That space... They transform that space a lot. They, sure, saying. well, yeah, you can plonk the audience wherever you want yeah. to. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's very flexible, while also still having, like, a lot of conspicuous character as well. Yeah. Which is part of, yeah, what makes the space so interesting. Great. Um, yeah, so that was a cool choice. Lawrence Strangio was the director, so I imagine to some extent that was that was Lawrence's decision, which is cool. Good on you, Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, okay. So now... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where do I begin? I feel like it's important to say... First off, there was an interval. Obsessed? Love it. You, you're loving your intervals recently. Loving it. Oh my god. It, within the last, what, year or so, I've certainly fallen deeply in love with presets. Yes. <laughs> and intervals. Ah, oh, it's a renaissance for Jake loving intervals. 
Obsessed. Because there's not many of them around anymore. No, there's not. The dying breed. And that's the thing. It's the, it's the vintage feel. If everyone were doing it, I'd be sick of it. And of course, I still have those anxieties of like, I saw someone pre-show that I didn't want to talk to, uh, and now I have to also get through interval without talking to them. Did that this happen is... this time? No, 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 okay, no, no, no. Sea of strangers. Good. Yes. Um, but yes. So <laughs> I want to flag now <laughs> a thing that I must flag at some point. Okay. I have no idea what the plot was. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. As with everything, factor in my stupidity, uh-huh. I don't know what the show was about. <laughs> At all. I could take guesses, and I will take those guesses later on. Boldly, boldly go. <laughs> okay? It's good and to get that, that out of the way. not the artist's faults. <laughs> I'm just dumb. <laughs> um, the play starts, and it, it proceeds to be, yeah, uh, uh, there's what seems to be about three people living in this house. There's a baby, and then... Yuck. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, and they're in the house, and then some, like, a, a oh, full disclosure, Dom Westcott was in it. Our friend oh. Dom Westcott. Oh, lovely. So it was wonderful to see him. I didn't know he was in it, and then he, like, barged in during the first act, and I was like, oh, it's Dom! Dom would barge. <laughs> Such a barger. Love that, man. Yeah. Top-notch barger. Yeah, so Dom's in it. That's great. Factor that into the bias that I may express. <laughs> um, yeah, and so there's three people living in this house. Dom barges in at one point. A handsome husband comes in at some point. Um, Are they speaking in gibberish? No, they're speaking in English. Okay, so how do you not... Uh, yeah, let's get into why I don't understand what happened. There's, there's like... Um, they're talking, and it's like... There'd be moments that I would absolutely grasp the dynamics of a... Like a thing. It all happened in real time. Okay. There'd be moments where I would understand a conversation that was happening between two or three people in the sense that they would be like, pass me that chocolate. Okay. <laughs> um, I So you got the deeper parts I of got the, the I got the parts where it was just like those sorts of things where it's like, oh, I, I'm pretty mad at, I'm pretty mad about this. Well, that's fair enough. <laughs> um, where's the baby? It's in the garden. Like I'd understand... What? I, I, I don't understand. You've never heard people talk I before. I know English. <laughs> Do you? But it's like... The baby's in the garden. Like, that was the last line of Act 1. Yes, that's... Alone? Th- these are the questions. Oh. But I, but I... I couldn't... Like... Only because I had Johnny there to talk to. And this, by the way, was the first play he'd ever seen. <laughs> so, ever? So, yes. Oh. So I... um, So I had to... Interval came around, and I was like, Johnny, this is so embarrassing. I have no idea what's going on. And he's like, oh, no, I sort of understand. I get... And I was like, okay, Johnny, great. So he sort of filled me in on what he thought it was about. The play ended. I enjoyed it. But then even at the end, I was like, Johnny... <laughs> I need you to tell me. I need you to tell me what this play was And what was did Johnny about. say the play was Johnny about? said the play was about... And I haven't looked into this, because I just wanted to leave on in my mind as this. Johnny said it was a play about an incestuous family. Oh, and one of the characters is the dad of the family. And then there's kind of like three kids who are all kind of like, sort of like kids in sort of like their late 20s, early 30s. And they're all kind of like incesting together. And okay. then there's a husband of one of like the daughters who comes in and is like kind of uncomfortable about the incest, <laughs> but kind of wants to be into it because he loves the wife, even though he's abusive towards her. And she feels like, like, to some extent, feels like she should be fine with the abuse because of her confusing upbringing and the way that she maybe doesn't feel oh. entitled to a normal type of love. 
um, and there's a desire for them to, like, because these siblings do love each other, this confusing thing is like, at the start, there's a live baby that one of the sisters, potential sisters, has had. But then because it's an incest baby, maybe it dies and they bury it in the garden. Oh, it's in the garden. Okay. Right? Because yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. never explicitly said. That's it with the lack of these explicit things like being said that maybe... <laughs> Technically, the baby's was, in the garden. I just... And that's... I don't... It was just... All of the language kept me at this distance mm. from which I couldn't grasp anything firmly enough to be like... I, and that's why moment to moment I was like, oh, you're mad about this. Oh, okay, you're hoping to get this out of this conversation. But maybe just because there weren't enough specifics or something, I didn't have... Like, I couldn't... Maybe because the language or something kept things so vague, I never felt like I knew anything distinctly. It sounds like... like when, I had no facts. It sounds <laughs> like when people write those songs that sound like they're English, but you can never really make out the words. I suppose it's that in... In that in, it's in in, in, in dr- like in a dramatic sense. Yeah, exactly. It's like okay, you are all speaking English to each other. Things clearly matter, and it's it absolutely has the feel of naturalism, which it absolutely was to like at the nth degree. It was like oh, absolutely, these are people behaving as people would behave in a room together. Mm. But for the life of me, <laughs> I cannot uh, work out. Well, what's the, the way the story that Johnny has described sounds really interesting. Absolutely, like, that sounds really and also right up your alley. Abs- oh my god. Oh my god. As I was explaining yeah. to, like, Miller, the handsome barista, I was like, Miller, I saw this show, I think it was about incest, I love incest. <laughs> Jake loves incest, you heard yeah. it here. Um, um, <laughs> as in he's written a show that, that you should probably clarify that you I don't I wrote a love- show about incest, but yeah. also incest is a fantastic, I just think it's so interesting. It is very interesting. I think, I'm not endorsing it, don't do it, no. <laughs> but it's fascinating. Yeah. Um. And that sounds like a really interesting story, if that's what it was. If! <laughs> yeah. What if they listened to this and, like, they thought it was about incest? Yeah, I wonder. I'd love to hear what so it was actually about. I guess I will do some... Re- if it wasn't yeah. that, apologies. <laughs> Either way, no. It was, like, for so many reasons, such an, like, a, an impressive show. Um, the, something I really appreciated, like, having us in the space the way that we were, like, it almost felt like we were intruding upon them, which was really nice, because it did feel like a very intimate, personal... Incestuous thing that everyone was going through. Like it felt almost inappropriate for us to be in the thick oh, of this cool. action that's, so that's much, you know. Because achieved, it was, yeah. but it was like, it was such a gift as well, and it was so generous of all of the artists and the actors, especially, to let us be so close to them while they're doing such an odd, very like, a very intimate feeling performance from mm. all of them. There were these beautiful parts where it was like. Because I was like sitting next to Johnny and then on the side of me that wasn't Johnny was this pot plant and there was this part where um, two of the actors come up and like play with this pot plant in, in almost like a like an intimate way. They come up and like caress and stroke this pot plant that they love right so much. Right next to you. Right next to me. And then because the whole audience can see what's going on as well, I'm looking very intensely at these actors while they play with this pot plant because it's such an interesting thing to watch a person do. Mm. But then I also have the awareness that the rest of the audience can see me watching this pot plant intimacy. Oh, it's, so it's, it's like, the traverse stage issue. So what's well, the in the round issue? Oh. oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was just interesting. So it was like to that level of like, yeah, you can you can look at anything you want, and it's plonking us in this reality so much that you can like. But it meant too, like you got to have these very uniquely beautiful, like the pot plant moment, these uniquely beautiful, quite striking, and very unique feeling visual experiences mm. in the way that like us being in the round and there not being many of us, um, you the things that you were seeing, it was only you that was seeing them. Yeah, right. You know, like there was this really wonderful moment during like the second act 
um, when um, Meg Spencer, who was one of the actors, all of whom were fantastic, she... It was this kind of this moment that, as I've said, I don't know necessarily what was going on. <laughs> the, 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 Meg Spencer looked across at one of the actors with this like stunning look of like incredulity. And I'm the only person that saw it at the angle that I saw it at mm. because of where I was sitting in the space. But it hit me as just like, what a stunning thing that this actor has accomplished with, you know, all the, 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 the you know, faculties that an actor has. But for some reason, this moment hit me. And part of the reason it hit me so hard was because... I was sitting 30 centimetres from where the person she was looking at was sitting. Yeah, right. And I get to be privy to that stunning moment that this actor managed to to convey. Yeah, wow. So it was certainly, it was speckled with moments like that that was like, oh, this feels so wonderful. The fact that there was like, in Act 2, there was this fire going the whole time. Like an actual fire? Like an actual fire happening at the end of the space. and In it, that little fireplace? In the, yeah, like the one that opposite the staircase. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had oh, the cool. fire going and the, they like tended to it and like put wood into it. Wow. And it was like, it was incredible the way that that, even the process of watching wood burn, tied the place, like tied the space and the show and us as well to the passage of time mm. in the way that like, obviously fire is so entrancing, but then to like to watch wood burn. And slowly break down. Slowly break. And, and it's like, it almost, it, it made me, it evoked all those like very basic thoughts of like, Oh, is fire like life and we are like the wood? You know, it makes sure. you... Yeah. That sort of nonsense. Isn't it amazing that you, Jake, had no idea what the story was? <laughs> that is amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> no, no, but it's amazing that you had no idea what the story was, but you still had such strong emotional reactions to what they were doing. And ah. You had so many feelings about what they were doing. Absolutely. That's the power of theatre. Indeed. That's really cool. Super cool. Mm. And it was like, and it was even like in my lostness, because I was lost the whole time. Yes. It gave me time to like reflect on my lostness. And I was like, but why aren't I bored? And why aren't I sick of being here? Totally. And why am I happy to come back for act two? Mm. Even though I've got no grasp on what the plot is. Because they had an interval. Because, oh, shit, oh. yeah. Um, because it was like, I was happy to kind of sit, and even within like the first 25 minutes where I was like, wait a second, what's the plot? <laughs> I was like, I don't mind not knowing mm. because these actors are really fun to watch and this energy is really cool. And I am just kind of like happy to sit in this confused simmer of like, I don't know enough to be surprised by anything necessarily. <laughs> there cannot be a twist because I don't know enough about the truth. <laughs> it can't be turned upside down because you're not oriented. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, I'm just going to stay in this weird room with these weirdos and just see what happens. <laughs> and I was so happy to do it. Yeah, nice. Um, I need to bring up something that okay. happened. Um, interval happens. Okay? So we're all sitting in our chairs. Interval happens. The baby is in the garden. Blackout. Interval starts. Yep, you said that three times. Thank you. <laughs> the actors leave the space because they need to do some stretches or whatever. The audience then leaves the space. So we go out into the courtyard. We have a normal interval. We come back inside slowly. I come back in last with Johnny because Johnny goes to the bathroom. So the rest of the audience has already gone back into the space. Okay. Johnny and I return into the space. Two people have taken the seats that we were sitting in. Oh. Which is fine. That's okay, just... Okay. That's fine. <laughs> of course. Um... And then it's like, okay, so I'm waiting there for Johnny. I'm standing like a fucking loser <laughs> in the space waiting for Johnny to come back in. Johnny eventually joins me. And then we're like, okay, where are we going to sit? I can only see one spare seat. So I was like, there's oh. two of us. How's this going to work? Unbeknownst to me, there's one seat on sort of like the left-hand side of the space. And there's one seat that I can see next to some other people. This very lovely woman is like, oh, I, and she's like pointing out these two seats. Can I, I can only see the one of them. Mm. And then what happens is 
Uh, so we start veering off to our separate seats away from each other. This very sweet woman is then like, oh, wait, no, no, I'll, these people will scoot. Uh, I'll sit there, and uh, then you two can sit next to each other. It was a very sweet... That's 30- really nice. Yeah, it was like a nice 37 seconds of just the kindness of strangers. Yeah, and was- I, I love those sort of theatre community vibes when people in the seats sort of like, even just the idea of like, bumping elbows with someone and you both sort of look at each other and have that oh it's okay we're at the theatre absolutely it's just that nice shared community vibe it was that's so that's, nice it was super duper sweet it was very nice we eventually sorted that nonsense out we thanked the woman thoroughly and then everyone clapped <laughs> <laughs> that's why. that's wild it's one of the more pathetic things I've been applauded for I will tell Is you that it? for free <laughs> I've applauded some pretty pathetic things at that. <laughs> that's also true. Um, that's really nice. Sounds uh-huh. like a successful night out of the petter. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Scott Middleton was really good at playing like the quintessential kind of like handsome hippie hot guy. Was he one of the siblings? I, I believe he okay, was one of the sure, siblings. Sure, sure. <laughs> wow, it was that. It was on that level. Okay. I truly do not know. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and Kate Spiker. She sort of turned up maybe like 25 minutes into it. And it was the sort of presence where it's like... Oh my god. And that was certainly one of the big moments where I was like, I'm absolutely fine to not understand anything. Great. Because the the the, the company of these actors is so comforting and interesting and magical, you know? And Great. the entrance of Kate Spiker just kind of like because she entered with this energy that it was just like, who is this like elegant creature person that I'm just happy to like sit back and watch? Yeah. I was like, oh my god, I feel that way about this whole show. I can just sit here and they can just like rock me around and I'll just nice. sit here. Yeah, that was nice. Success. Um, yeah, so that's that on that. I wish that's that on that, <laughs> that on love. That. I, yeah, do not know what the play was about, but I'm very glad that I saw it. My last question is, considering you don't know anything the show was about, yes. do you have any insight as to why it was called Traps? Johnny and I were trying to work that out. The best, and this is coming from someone that didn't understand the plot, the best theory that I have... Which is where best, most things should come from. <laughs> the best theory I have is that life is full of traps in the sense in the sense that like if you choose to just follow the paths of least resistance and you don't advocate for yourself and you don't work out what it is you want and pursue that then you can just get stuck in one of life's traps okay and those traps can look like things like relationships that you're too lazy to get out of or jobs that you're not strong-willed enough to escape from even though they make you miserable yep. these things where you can just be stuck if you don't build up enough courage to escape it. Great. That vaguely maybe applies to the plot of traps. If I knew the plot of traps. They're not turning around and going, I love placing traps. <laughs> no. No. There was not a mouse trap. There was not a bear trap. Mm. There was not a Venus fly trap. What None of traps these. are there? There wasn't a grease trap? There wasn't a grease trap. Okay. Isn't trap a type of music? It is. Trap is also like a, a sexy feminine boy that dresses up as a lady and tricks men online. <gasps> J.K. Rowling would love that. <laughs> <laughs> Someone call her. Um, it's an anagram of parts. Meaningless? Traps. <laughs> Most likely. Traps. That was the show Traps. Absolutely was. Glad I was there. Couldn't tell you a thing about it. Um, yeah. Bong, bong, bong. <laughs> yeah, that is what's coming now. Get ready for it. Hello. Hi. Oh, uh, James. It's, <laughs> Jake, it's been too long. Oh, hello. Yeah. Um, is it just me? Mm. No, I'm here too. 
Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I was going to make a joke there, but I think I'll start somewhere else. Oh. Jude Pearl. Do you know Jude Pearl? Jude Pearl. I know Jude Law, not personally. Okay, well, then you don't know Jude Pearl. Hey Jude I didn't... from Hey Jude? Is from, this who Hey Jude hey was Jude. about? Yes, the Beatles wrote this song about Jude Pearl. This is the titular Jude! Jude! <laughs> I had never heard of Jude, Jude Pearl before. Okay. Um, but Jude Pearl is a terrific performer. Right. Um, who is apparently... Who, not apparently, who is established and well-known and does Claims stuff. to be established. So I was just saying, like, people out there listening, probably some of them will know who Jude Pearl is. And right. I got the absolute privilege of seeing Jude Pearl in a cabaret at the Butterfly Club. Yeah. Um, so, is it just me? Part two. Yes, it is just you. First of all, terrific title. Yeah. Um, was there a part one, do you know? So... In 2015, I believe, yes. Jude Pearl did her... Pre-pandemic. Pre-pan, <laughs> um, did her first one-person show that she had written mm-hmm. called Is It Just Me? Mm-hmm. And she did it at the Butterfly Club. Did you see it? I didn't see it. Great. No, no, no. So, she, she it's, it's now many, many years on. It may have been 2013. I, I can't remember when she did this initial, initial show. But it's, it's now... Many years on, she's a lot more established, and she's, as she self-describes, she's a lot better <laughs> than she used to be Great. when she wrote this one-person show. Mm-hmm. So the premise behind this show is she was moving house, and she found the script for Is It Just Me, which she thought she had lost. First of all, I find that interesting, because is that possible? Like, for you, like I'm not Jude, if you're listening, I'm sure it is possible, <laughs> because it happened to you. But Jake, Jake, have you ever like lost a piece of writing that you've made and not been able to find it, and then it's just gone? Because that's scary. That's like Library of Alexandria scary. That is scary. Uh, no, people have different relationships with things that they write. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Lots okay. Lots of people have that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so it's possible depending on what your filing system is like and how much you sentimentalize the things that you write. Okay. You know, like, the, the, reason that, the, the reason we have magic in the moonlight is the fact that Woody Allen left that script in his desk drawer and then found it and then burdened us with the garbage that was magic in the moonlight. Emma Stone's best performance? I doubt it. (laughs) Okay, so... It's about magic. I'm sure it is. In the moonlight. I don't want to spoil it. (laughs) So, um, so she found the script and decided, as a sort of like, the way she's described it is it's almost like a sort of experiment that she's doing she's remounting the show Mm. is it just me but she's tweaking it she's doing all the original songs Mm. but she's tweaked it to sort of be like she'll do the song and then she'll sort of say so at this point of the show i used to do this bit and then she sort of comments on how how she's changed since then Mm. what is different about the way she approaches art now and the whole thing's a comedy like it's all funny sure but it, it was very much like Here's how I've grown as a person and artist, and let's compare what I used to be like. Oh my god. Yeah! That's and it was, fascinating. It was! It was really interesting. And she sort of... I don't know if this is like part of her performing style, but the way she, she sort of seemed a little bit sheepish about doing it. Mm. Like, she wasn't sure how it was going to go, but, like, it was great. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were parts that... she was particularly funny when she would sort of get to a part of the show, and then she'd say, like, oh... I'm actually not going to read what I wrote this part because it is just so bad. <laughs> and like acknowledging that. And then she would, so she comes out. Um, it's the upstairs space at Butterfly Club. Comes out and she's wearing, first of all, one of the best outfits I have ever seen. Oh my God. It is a dress made out of boobs. Okay. The whole thing. It looks like she's dripping, but instead of drips, it's just tits. Okay. Big tits all over her. And it's incredible. What sort of like material like they're like you know when drag queens put on silicon breasts like okay. big breastplate things okay. it's like people have sort of like taken those and like all things you would stuff into your bra as like big 
titties mm. and just put them on a dress. Wow. Okay. It's cool. great. Like with little patches of gold as well. Yeah. And she goes on later in the show to describe, I'm sorry, I didn't catch the costume designer's name, mm. but she asked this costume designer friend of hers to make this dress, but to make it look a little bit shit as if Jude had made it. <laughs> so I was like, just that. I love that so much. She yeah. was doing auctioning, auctioning the dress off as well. I thought I might try and get it, but I can't afford anything. So, <laughs> and also I don't think I should have a dress made out of tits. Why? Because I would never wear it. And it, des- <laughs> it deserves to be taken by someone who's going to wear it. Where are they going to wear it? To, like, nightclubs. You know, like, out. Is it gowny? Or is it, it's, could you wear it to a nightclub? Or you could wear it to a nightclub. It's not a gown. It, it sort of probably comes down to the knees, I reckon. Uh, oh, um, like a cocktail length. It's like a cocktail length. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and it's, could it's, it pass for, like, them. ironic fancy? Could you wear it to a dinner party? No, okay. I don't think so. I mean, you could. It depends on the people you're going with. But okay. it was such a good little outfit. And just the vision of her coming out and sort of like, she has got this, she's got this grin that's sort of like, her whole energy is like restrained chaos. Mm-hmm. Like it's all very, it's it's the sort of comedy vibe that I think a lot of Australian comedians are getting behind as well. But she just has, she's got it nailed. It's just sort of like, oh, I'm here, but I'm not exactly sure if I should be. Like it's like, oh, I'm, I don't know if I should be doing this. Like it's that sort of, but she's just so charming. Yeah. That it just, she comes out in this booby dress and I was immediately like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Okay. Not because I love titties. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Oh, I love I a love, love a titties. <laughs> but just like for her to come out with this sort of sheepish, like I'm here, sort of grin in yeah. like a boob dress, and then and then she walks over to the piano, and she starts singing and playing the piano, and I have not heard a voice as good as hers in a really long time. Oh my god! Like she's got this incredible rock star voice mm. and a lot of her original show is about trying to get um apparently a lot of her original show she didn't do it all obviously but it was about trying to get record deals and her frustration with the music industry um so, and, and i get but it's which baffles me because i'm shocked that no one just took her in immediately because she's incredible um, i was listening to she's got songs out on spotify look her up listen to them because i was listening to them on the way over here mm. um and yeah it just it was like i couldn't take my eyes off her the whole time um, yeah, Jude Pearl, incredible voice. But, um, because have you ever thought about remounting old works that you've done in, like, in this sort of way, in a way where you're sort of talking about your own work, or would you just want to revise the work and put it on as a different show? Well, it's kind of what Five Stars was. Sure, yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. That is what Five Stars was. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Five Stars had the, like, the additional sort of, like, documentary element of things and the mm. way that, like... In a way, that sounds similar to what she was doing with this show of the life having made art happen and then life has moved on and the art, therefore, in the way that it engages with the reality that it was initially reflecting upon yeah. now requires some reflection, that type of thing. Totally. So very, there's absolutely that. Yeah, so there seems to be really similarities between the methodologies, mm. um, different outcomes, seemingly, but... Um, yeah, hers there was, was good. No, no Five stars was bad. Yeah, yeah, no boob yeah. dress in ours. No boob dress in yours. <laughs> There were gay elves, though. They were? Mm. Uh, (laughs) Um, Oh, not in hers. No, I'm afraid not. Oh. No, I'm sorry. I mentioned five stars. Well, no show can be perfect. (laughs) No show can be perfect, Jake. That's, oh. Put that on a t-shirt. Including five stars. (gasps) Oh! You filthy cunt. I don't know why I'm suddenly coming for you. Um, (laughs) Anywho, uh, uh, what was I going to say? I had something in my brain and then you distracted me. You asked me a question about if I would ever do, is it connected to that line of questioning? Yes, and then we got to something. Was it about remounting shows or something? Yes, that's right. And there were like she, she, th- some of the things she pointed out were quite interesting. Like she pointed out, like as a young performer, to sort of she wanted to be a little more edgy. So a lot of her jokes were about 
you know, vaginas and penises and sex. Yeah. Um, and now she, she says now on reflection, she's like, as a young performer making this show, I hadn't had a lot of sex. So it was very interesting to do a show about sex because people want to hear about sex. But now that I'm older, everyone's had sex mm. and no one really cares about hearing about it. Right. And like, just <laughs> sort of be like, yeah, I don't want to see a show where people just talk about sex for the shock value. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed hearing her sort of like on stage do the song about like vaginas and stuff and then address it and be like, you know, on reflection, probably not a great idea <laughs> and not that engaging. Sure. Um, and it fe- yeah, it felt very like, it felt like very much like she was inviting us to be a part of this sort of self-reflection that she could have done absolutely just by herself. Yeah. And um, like not done this beautiful thing that she did. And it felt very intimate to sort of be invited into that space. And then she ended the show with two original songs that she's written now. Oh, so they were like covers otherwise? No, sorry, sorry. No, I'm like, oh, so they're they were... all original songs, but these are brand new songs. But she's only written for part two. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. And um, you could sort of see, you could see the difference in like the, the style, the way she sings, and, and um, I don't know, the way she writes as well. And seeing that sort of in the one show, I don't know if I've had an experience like that of... Like, five stars, yes, but this was sort of, like, from 2015 to now. Like, this is a real journey of an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and yours was garbage. No, I just mean it was a longer term. Sure. Um, and I don't know if I've seen something like this. If you Can you think of anything apart from five stars <laughs> you've seen that is sort of, like, adjacent to this? Because I can't. Um, no, my brain flashed to the disaster artist, which I never saw. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, which has similarities to the things that you're asking about. I guess so. Um, but I guess it's it's there's echoes of it in any adaptation or really like mm. there's a, I don't know you know maybe in a very uninteresting way that kind of concept exists anytime someone stages a work because obviously text exists on the page mm. and then you put it on stage like that is itself an act of translation and adaptation. Yeah, sure. You know, so it's it's for so many reasons what you're describing in this person's work is fascinating. And part of it is the way that it really highlights the fact of any time that you go about telling a story theatrically, you're taking that story and then like the sort of like the first step of it, even like going from text to your mind and then from your mind to the stage with a group of people you tell the story with, it's like it only exists in that way because of the lives that have been led by all the people that are now putting it on stage and the skills yeah. that they're bringing to it, you know? Like it, it, like it has to shine from the text through the prism of everyone telling the story. Yeah. And it's so yeah. interesting to then do a story like this and tell it like this, partly because you interrogate, like, the mechanisms present in that prism. Like, you almost take the lens itself and you analyse the way that the light hits it and why it comes out the way it does. And that's interesting. That was, that was, a, that was a very professorly answer and I enjoyed listening to that a lot. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> no, just, that was some good words. Sure, but sure. Yeah, no, you're super right. I think, um, I think especially because... When you when you do a show with many people, there are many people involved in that process. But with this, it was just Jude, and I believe also the um, like lighting and sound. But like it was just her, really. Mm. So there was like no overlapping of voices. It was just her analyzing her own work. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, it just sounded. It felt really nice to be a part of that. Um, God, that's beautiful. Yeah. So I think I think I'm I'm pretty sure we went on the first night. Of mm. the run, and I, I hope the rest of the run went really well because it was a really, really good show. Great. And yeah, Jude Pearl. I'm going to see anything Jude Pearl does because, like I said, listen to her on Spotify just because her voice is amazing. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I, I want to see her do things. She's got that, and she had the sort of energy 
and I was talking to Flynn because I saw it with Flynn mm. and I had the um conversation I was like she's got the sort of voice and character that I would love to see if I walked into like a sexy bougie cabaret lounge she could absolutely do just the most incredible like sexy bougie performance in like this sort of smoky bar and I just see that like as a like a femme fatale mm. Um, I could see her doing that. She, I don't think she would because she's a very, very funny, funny person. I don't, mm. and and I, I don't know. But I think if she did, I, I, I just think, dude, dude, do whatever you want. I'll come and see it. God, they're so exciting when a performer can like be so, as it sounds like, like inspiring to the point where you're imagining them do other things. They oh. are that's fucking yeah. nice. Yeah. It's so nice. Anytime someone, and we've talked about this before, anytime someone makes a piece that is so generous in the way that they are like making you feel privy to very like personal, private things. Yeah. That's really nice. It's like I was talking last night to Tall Ethan. I was talking to him about how, because he makes music and I obviously make theatre, and we were talking about the process of making art and then having to overcome all the different pitfalls that you fall into mentally throughout the creative process. Mm. And one of the ones that I think is super common and a very deep hole you can fall into is the part you get to when it's like, okay, sure, I find this interesting, but... I'm really starting to doubt if anyone else will. Yeah, yeah. And with this sort of experiment, having gone through a similar one, obviously, that I'm sure Jude went through as well, it's like, wow, I'm taking a show that I've written and sort of done before to some extent, and now I'm I'm a cocky enough person to think that me going back and revisiting my own work, making more of my own work about it, and telling things about me Mm. to people... I have the goal to think that other people will find this engaging to listen to. Yeah, right. And of course, making the courageous choice to actually go through with creating what was seemingly a really marvelous piece of theater mm. is it requires such a like, that's a type of courage that I think I don't know, people should talk about more because totally. it prevents so many people from putting their work on stage And it's like, so much more intense when you're doing a when you when you're doing a work that is a remount of a work you've already done because you have to fall into those pitfalls again and they're deeper because of it absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting I hadn't thought about that oh no so yeah impressive hey Jude Ugh. are you gonna keep going no I don't know the rest of the words yes. <laughs> we're supposed to know hey Jude really well why well, I think it's just one of those things you're supposed to know what that's hey Jude yeah. oh no we'll get copywritten that, that's true <laughs> yeah but you know mm-hmm. etc you know yeah that, that's why I'm not saying did you watch yesterday is that what it's called no is that with Deb Patel I don't know. The one where people forget the Beatles existed and so he pretends to have written all the Beatles songs. Yes, yes. No, no, no. I'm, Did you just, see that? Let me just double check to see we're talking about the same movie because I think we are. You think we are? Okay. What's it called? I, yesterday? I think. Is it? Because isn't one of their songs called like, I was going to say So Yesterday. That's Hilary Duff. Hilary Duff performs So Yesterday. She's just a bird who's already flown away. I was thinking the other day about taking Nelly Furtado's I'm Like a Bird and then changing some of the words to make it more bird-like. I haven't been listening to you at all. Of um, <laughs> we're going to need to edit this. Why? Go ahead. Why? Okay, so I've just had to cut out a part <laughs> that James wanted taken out. So I imagine it will cut off at some point after I started talking about Nelly Furtado. And <laughs> it'll just cut now to James, do you have anything to say about <laughs> about Jude or her work? I just have to say, hey, Jude. Okay. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, great. That'll that'll do, pig. Thank that'll... you so much. And James, just to be clear, you're the pig. <laughs> no, and, no. And Jude is talented. If I'm the pig, you're the donkey. Oh, oh. Did you ever have the experience of saying, that'll do, pig, that'll do, and someone was like, yes. no, it's donkey. Yes, yes. I have had that. We used to say, that'll do, pig, in my family home quite a lot. Yeah. So, the response... 
But no, you did encounter someone being like, no, it's Donkey, you're misquoting Shrek. And it's like, no, <laughs> Shrek was quoting Babe, you barbarian. Oh. No, I didn't have that experience. Sorry, I, I, I thought the next line was, no, it's Donkey. But I, I just, you know what happened to me just then? I got confused with SpongeBob SquarePants. And I remember the line, <laughs> no, it's Patrick. Um, so... That's an insight as to how my brain works. That's a strong way to end this segment, uh, I think. <laughs> the Jude. Oh my god, we've done it again. What have we done? What have we done? Oh, heroin and no one can tell the difference. <laughs> the, the episode. We did an episode of Praise Dionysus. We did Praise him. Praise him. Very exciting to have finished an episode of Praise Dionysus here with my friend Jake. That's Moy. That's him. <laughs> Um, we're friends. Is there anything that you want to say before we wrap this baby up and throw it in the river? Ah, uh, go see Censor. It's on, I think when this episode comes out, it'll be on for another three days. So what go and see it. timeless recommendation. No, I think you should go and see it. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I have to say, uh, friends don't let friends become theatre critics. Indeed. Nailed it. Yes. And play that costume game. <laughs> play that costume game. I'm going to do that on the way home. That sounds fun. I'm really enjoying it. So yeah. I think you should do it. Um, and yeah, otherwise, we may already disagree with everything we just said. Absolutely. So bear that in mind. If you have any... If shows coming up or any things you want us to talk about, let us know. Tickets. Yes. Let us come and see them. We'll come and then we'll talk about it. We'll say yeah. many things. Yeah. 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 We're on Instagram and we have an email address. You know, yeah, and they're they named what they would be. Yeah. Yeah. Guess yeah. it. Use you'll your get fucking it. brain. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry to get so aggressive. So no, no, quickly. no. That's funny. Anything else you want to shout? It's like at when them? people ask where the bathroom is in a restaurant, and like the restaurant is one of those old terrace houses, and it just goes. It's just like. You know, like, where's the bathroom? Where do you think it would be? Good God. It's a one floor <laughs> building and it only goes back. Like, <laughs> the bathroom is this table. As someone who works in a poorly structured restaurant. Yeah, that's a poorly structured restaurant. I'm talking about simple restaurant style. But on, simple top, of that, but on top of that, being an anxious person who barely functions, <laughs> mm. I'm going to need waiters to be okay with me asking really dumb questions. As the same as as we've talked about before. With seats, With yes. seats, I'm going to ask the usher where my seat is. Where's even if B? It's, it's after A. Even if it's alphabetical, oh, I'm going to need you. Alphabetical. Alphabetical from Wicked, remember? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We're going to leave you in that gay fluster. <laughs> I was heard alphabetical. I had to take my moment. <laughs> Ah, uh, terrific. I'm Always so a pleasure. Sorry. No, that's fine. No, no, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, love you. He's talking to you guys. He's not talking to me. Yeah. <laughs>